Here we are one more time. Not the last time, Lord willing, but one more time. It's April 5th, 2022, Tuesday morning. Pastor Paul here at the home office at Four Oaks Church. Welcome to Romans Rewind. This is where we um, take concepts, ideas, passages, themes that we've been uh, discussing and preaching about on Sunday mornings as we've gone through the book of Romans, and we unpack them in a little more detail here. And um, and so 10 or 15 minutes just to kind of get us a, a jump start into our day and glad that you've joined us. By the way, haven't said this in a while, but, but if you have questions or things that you want to um, discuss or things that we might talk about here that raise other questions or, or what have you, please email me, paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com, and we'd love to work those into the mix and got a question this week, in fact. And so let me kind of set the context here. This past Sunday, we were in Romans 8, 26 through 30. And we come to just, you know, this amazing passage um, where Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose, to God's purpose. In other words, those who love God, God's working everything out in their lives to conform them to the image of his son. Now in verse 29, it tells us, Paul does, how we can be certain of this, okay? So let's look at verse 29 again in Romans 8. Paul says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And what we're, what we've been doing, um, and what we're going to be doing this week, as we continue forward, is unpacking this idea of predestination, election, what it means to be chosen by God, in a little more detail. And what we talked about yesterday was this: was trying to understand how prayer fits into the context of the sovereignty of God. And the human rationale would tell us, well, if God is sovereign, if he predestines, if he chooses, he elects, then, then why would we pray? Um, why, if God is sovereign, why pray? And, and we say that's actually the wrong question. Really, the, the right question is, if God isn't sovereign, why pray, right? So whenever we pray, is that not a, a, a tacit, a, an acknowledgement that God is sovereign, that if he doesn't save this person, if he doesn't intervene in this situation, then there is no hope, right? And, and, and prayer is not antithetical to the sovereignty of God. In fact, it is perfectly consistent. Because God is sovereign, uh, we can pray in confidence. Because God is sovereign, we can pray that his will will be done and trust that he will take care of the matters that we are bringing to him. Um, it's certainly true, as James says, that the prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. And what we, we talked about yesterday was this idea that, that, again, God ordains that prayer be the means or one of the means by which he accomplishes his sovereign will. The reason you pray is God is prompting you to pray. So that's what we talked about yesterday. Now, today, got a question um, about evangelism, okay? Um, even more specifically, how are we to think about the proclamation of the gospel um, and the free offer of the gospel, right? After all, John 3, 16, 
um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, right, uh, would believe in him will have eternal life. Now, let's think about that for a second. That is a free offer, meaning it goes out to everyone. And we see these all throughout scripture, right? There is this constant call to faith. There is a constant call to repentance. And, and again, from a human perspective, we would think that's kind of antithetical or that doesn't really mesh with this idea of God being sovereign. But I want to show us in Romans this morning how that's not true at all. In fact, they're perfectly consistent. So in Romans 9, and we're, we're not going to try to, we're going to try not to preach those sermons yet. That, that those are coming up. Paul takes the idea of predestination and he applies it to the people of Israel who have rejected God. And Paul says an astounding thing here in Romans 9. So look at Romans 9 just for a second. Paul says in verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. That's one of the clearest statements in all the Bible about the sovereignty of God, <clears throat> excuse me, over salvation. Now, how do we fit that together with um, this idea that we are to proclaim the gospel and take the gospel and that the gospel is offered freely by God to everyone and that anyone who believes um, will be saved and will have eternal life? Well, you heard what Paul just said, right? In Romans 8 and Romans 9. Well, look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, okay? And again, um, this is um, the same Paul <laughs> who just put his stake in the ground around the sovereignty of God. Listen to verse 8 of Romans 8, of Romans 10, sorry, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we, pro we proclaim. Now, here it is. Because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So again, once again, there's this free offer of the gospel. Paul lays it out there. If you repent, believe in Jesus, you will be saved. Even as he has said prior to this, that sovereignty is all, that salvation is all a work of God, right? Now, not only does Paul say this, okay, go down to verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or proclaiming? Now, this is, um, this is amazing, right? Paul's just told us in Romans 9, salvation is all of God. But yet he turns around here and not only proclaims the free offer of the gospel to everyone without distinction. He also says, unless you share your faith, unless someone tells um, someone else about the gospel, that person can't be saved because hearing, uh, believing comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? And, and how will they know unless someone tells them? And how will someone tell them unless, they, unless they're not sent? And we again have to think, well, how does this work, Okay. Well, I think in much the same way as it works with prayer, right? That God has ordained prayer as one of the means of drawing people to himself and accomplishing his will. 
Well, God has ordained that through the human activity of evangelism and preaching, that people will be saved. In other words, when we feel compelled to tell someone about the gospel or about Jesus, right? We're doing that because we are, in fact, being prompted by the Spirit of God. And it's really, really important, okay, that we hold these things in tension and not try to philosophize our way out of it, right? Um, or, 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 or sort of, you know, turn aside from God's sovereignty because um, it, seem, it seems to us incompatible with evangelism and prayer. But for Paul, it wasn't. In fact, Paul was the most evangelistic person who ever lived besides Jesus, probably. He was one of the most prayerful people to ever live besides Jesus, probably. But he was one who trusted in the sovereignty of God above all things. In fact, it's what motivated his praying and his evangelizing. So let's give an example. Let's imagine that a family comes into church and has a strong view of the sovereignty of God, but says, you know, we're not going to tell our children about Jesus, we believe that God will just save them if it's his will, okay? So there's not necessary for us to share, share with them the gospel. If God wants them to believe, he'll, he'll, he'll make it known to them. Well, I think we all see how ridiculous that is, okay? Because that directly contradicts the word of God, which says, if you don't share the gospel with that person, how will that person know, right? And so we're being disobedient when we don't share the gospel. Um, and, and one of the ways to think about this, okay, that's why you can look at a parent and say, well, if you don't share the gospel with them, they can't be saved. You can affirm that while at the same time understanding, okay, that when a person turns to Christ, it is all because of the sovereign work of grace, of God's grace in their, in their hearts, so one way to think about this is that we have a responsibility and God has a responsibility, right? Our responsibility is to pray. Our responsibility is to share the gospel. That's where our responsibility stops. Um, of course, we want to be a witness and live out the, the consistency of our faith before other people. But in other words, we can't make someone become a Christian. We can't change someone's heart. We have to entrust it to God. We share the, our faith leave the results to God. So as Paul is talking, and understand, as we're telling people, as we're preaching, as we're proclaiming, as we're sharing our faith, we don't know what God is going to do through his sovereign will. We don't know who his elect are. We don't know who his chosen are. That's not our job, okay? Our job is to leave that to God, okay? Um, and our job is to offer the gospel to everyone, to plead with them, to entreat them, to invite them to come to know Jesus. And, and when, we, we, when we understand how these things fit together, I think it will empower our evangelism, not um, de-emphasize it or demotivate it. And we have no further to look than the example of the Apostle Paul himself. The, the God for Paul, the God of Romans 8 and the God of Romans 9, is the same as the God of Romans 10. A lot more we can say about it. And we will say some more about it tomorrow, and I hope you join us. Lord, go before us today, empower our evangelism, empower our prayers. Lord, we pray that our growing conviction of your, so over, of your sovereignty over all things 
would bolster our faith, give us confidence in our faith, and um, the assurance that you will do what you promised to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.